Well, we're over in the book of Ephesians. We started chapter 3 last time, looking at uh, verses 1 through 10. Just to review a little bit, we'll go back to verse 8. Paul, speaking of himself in the revelation of the mystery, to me who am less than the least of all the saints, the grace this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the church, to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Last time we were looking at the ages, the different ages, the different uh, dispensations and, and times that we're on, and that we are right now in the church age. Now, of course, we learned from last time that the church age has ended for some people. Yes. <laughs> but not for us. We're still in it. <laughs> we're still there in the, in the midst of it. But there are some people who want to teach some other, other things. And uh, Paul taught some, uh, brought out the revelation of the mystery of Christ, the, the, the church age. And that was that gap that would be there between Jesus' first coming and his second. Because most people didn't know that there was going to be a difference. Over in the book of Isaiah, when he prophesied about the Messiah, there was not even a break in the sentence from the first mission of the Messiah to the second. It just kept on going. Not even a period. And when Jesus read it in the temple, he stopped at that point. And uh, even though there was no real reason to, and people were shocked at why he would stop, because they've always heard it read together. And many times, many other prophecies in the Old Testament merged the... Um, uh, first mission of Messiah and the second because they didn't realize that there was a break in there. That was the mystery. And so Paul came out and he began to teach the things of the mystery. And so Paul's teaching in the epistles are unique to the mystery of God. Old Testament doesn't teach the mystery. The Gospels don't teach the mystery. The mystery is taught in the epistles. The mystery does not take place from the end of Christ's ministry until Christ comes. The mystery is not from his ascension. The mystery is not from his death. The mystery is from the outpouring of the Holy Spirit until the church is taken up at the rapture. Everything between those, those points is the mystery. So the Old Testament teaches us about the death of Christ. The Old Testament teaches us about the resurrection of Christ. When Jesus, as we saw on Sunday, when Jesus was, was teaching, he taught about his death and his resurrection. And he taught about his ascension. And before he went, he told them of a promised one that they would come. And that they were to wait until. And then when that spirit was poured out, now the church age began. And then revelation about it also continued on. In the Old Testament, we have revelation and understanding about the tribulation. About the millennial reign. About the kingdom that will come afterwards. Because they are not part of the mystery. They are not part of the church age. The church age encompasses those things that are from the time of Pentecost until the time of the rapture. So therefore, nothing in the Old Testament and nothing in the Gospels teaches us about the rapture or anything before it up until the time of Pentecost. This is why that teaching is not there. Paul taught it. And it's important that we understand that to get into the rest of these things that he's going to teach us in this prayer. Paul Paul's purpose, and eventually that purpose also fell to the disciples as they got revelation and as they got understanding. Some of that revelation came to Peter. But as they received this revelation, they were to go out and teach people about this. But Paul specifically had this, and he was caught up into heaven and taken all that Old Testament knowledge that he had, and God showed him 
where it was predicted it would come, but never taught about what it would contain. So, Ephesians chapter 3, verse... Uh, well, verse 8, To me who am less than the least of all the saints, the grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, known about, planned, but hidden, who created all things through Jesus Christ. This is one of the many verses that show you that Jesus Christ is God because He is not created. All things are created through, which means He cannot be a created being if He created all things. Therefore, He must be God. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to, by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. This is God's plan, that in the church age we would make known the manifold mystery of God to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. That basically, the church age would have the believer having authority over the devil. Verse 11, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. This has been eternally purposed by God the Father in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. In whom, in Christ, we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. So the thing we have to understand as we're going on into this prayer, because we're going to get into Paul's second prayer. We already covered his first prayer. We're going to look at his second prayer now, because in Ephesians we have two prayers that are in here. According to the eternal purpose which He, the Father, accomplished in Christ, Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. It is imperative that in the church age we understand that we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. But there are too many denominations and too many churches around who do not teach boldness and access with confidence. They teach, well, you just better hope so. Well, you shouldn't be that way with God. Well, you're not there to give God orders. Well, you can't make that assumption. No, it says, in whom, in Christ, we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. That's what we have. Now, just picture it this way. How many have ever been on those uh, Little League teams, baseball teams, soccer teams, basketball teams, all those different things? Well, generally, the coach is one of the parents. And there'll be many, many boys or many girls that are on the team, and they may be a little nervous about coming up to the coach about something. But there's always one who's not. <laughs> the coach's son or daughter. They're not, they're not bad. They'll go right or not. Why? Because it's dead. <laughs> I have access. I have access. And that's what we have to do. We have to realize that we have access. We can't be well, one of those folks on the team that are nervous. Well, I don't know if I can go to God and, and uh, ask for that. I mean, healing. I mean, I don't know if He wants to heal me. And I don't know that, that uh, I should have boldness in that way. Well, I don't know that God wants to take care of this need I have. I don't know that God wants to do this. I don't know if I should pound the door for bread. You know, things like that. Uh, people who do that have boldness and access with confidence. Through... Faith in Him. 
Well, it's through faith in Him. We've got to have faith, but we have to see it have a materialist, materialized in such a way that we have boldness and access with confidence. How can you say that you have faith to approach God on the matter and there's no boldness? You come before God and you're meek. Oh, well, I don't know if I should do... Oh, God, I don't know if I should bother you today. I don't want to you know, trouble you with too much stuff. And That's not boldness. That's not confidence. Confidence means if I go to Dad and talk to him about this, he'll take care of it. Because we're going to dad. Jesus gives us the boldness and the confidence. But we're going to dad. It's kind of like, you know, somebody on the team. Oh, I want to ask coach about this. Well, come on. <laughs> and, you know, the one, the, the coach's son or, or daughter comes on. No, come on, let's go. We'll go right now. And they, uh, they access with confidence because they, <laughs> they know the son. They know the daughter. They know someone in the family there. So it's kind of the same thing. Here, all this was done according to God's eternal purpose. And in Christ, we have boldness and access with confidence. Now, the through faith in Him is also important as we get on through here. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 13. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Don't lose heart at what? The tribulations. Now, they saw Paul in jail. There's a lot of reasons why this might cause you a little bit of a problem. First off, they're persecuting Christians. This could be a problem. Because uh, they may go after Paul now. They may come after me later on. But it also, you know, Paul was kind of the spiritual father for a lot of these people. He went in there and, and started the church and brought the message. Paul didn't go where other people had gone. He was the, uh, the, the Captain Kirk of his day. To go where no man has gone before. <laughs> He wants to go where no one has brought the gospel before. He doesn't want to build another person's ministry. And that's what he writes to the Romans. You know, I haven't, I, once I finish going to all the places that no one else has gone to, then I'll think about coming to you guys. Because <laughs> someone's already been there. I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what he's saying to the Romans. Yeah, someone's already been there, already built that. I don't need to go there. I want to go to places where no one's been and no one's built anything yet. That's where I want to go. And after I run out of those places, then I'll start considering going to places that other people have been to. So, therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you. Well, they were losing heart at Paul's chains, seeing Paul in chains. Here's their favorite Bible teacher. In chains. You know, just think of one of your favorite Bible teachers. If they hold him off in chains. You could lose, you could lose a little bit on that. You don't necessarily like to see, you know, brother or sister so-and-so being hauled off into wherever. Paul's, I mean, they're down over there at Raymond tonight. Brother Doug Jones is preaching. And they put it up there on his, because, uh, you know, I, I look at these guys and the things they post on Facebook because I'm interested. And so he posted up there that he was teaching tonight. I said, well, doggone, what about us folks? That are, <laughs> we can't sit around and tune that in. So I'll have to find out if there's a way I can tune that in later on. But if he was preaching there tonight and they came in and arrested him and hauled him off, would that cause us to lose heart? Well, for some of us, that could be, uh, well, you know, what happens to Brother Doug? I don't hear his teaching. He's over there in, in jail. These kind of things can set us off. But it's not just the Paul's chains. Things that happen that we think shouldn't. When things happen that we think shouldn't happen, we can begin to lose heart. And there'll be many people that are there. Well, Paul, Paul, this should not happen to Paul. God, why are you allowing this to happen to Paul? This be Paul's a, a, a brave servant for you. He's done, you should show up. 
And we got all these things that God should do and we don't think that should happen and we can get kind of angry at God. Why is God doing this? Why is God allowing this to happen? Then we could lose heart because God has done something or God has allowed something that I don't think ought to be going on. I get mad at that. He says, don't you lose heart at this. Don't you lose heart. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. But we, we can't go around losing heart on the thing. It will get turned around for His glory. Now, I put this in your outline. Faith does not lose heart. Faith does not lose heart or form doubt questions. That's not faith. Because faith accesses and faith is bold. But people are going, well, why does that happen? Well, why did that get allowed to be going on? Well, I don't understand. Well, God, why did you do this? That's not faith. That's bewilderment. When you are bewildered about something, you don't access with confidence. You don't go in boldly. This is not the thing that you do when you are unsure. If you go into a new house and it's dark, how do you go in? We've never been in this place before. I'm not sure what's out there. I may not like the things that are out there. You know, we, one of the things I used to love to do is go through homes, you know, abandoned homes, burned out houses, stuff like that. There's no electricity. And you, especially in the basement, and you go through the basement and there's no lights and there's nothing there. So you're, just care, just care. I told you about that one burned out house we were in. Three-story mesh. And we're walking around, but the grand, I mean, it's a grand staircase grand staircase and we're walking up this just carefully so we're careful and we're walking on up and we get up to the second level there you know it's been burned out but it's still you could tell what it what it kind of looked like and then we we saw steps going up to the it was gone it's burned out and it was all opened up to the rain and so the rain had been coming down in here and and uh working on it and it's been years it had been up there like this and so you had to be careful and you know, you step on the wrong spot and you know what would happen in a house like that. And I told you, we went through with a buddy of mine across country. We, we, were, we were going on through and we walked on through. We came back to the dinner table and we told everybody about this wonderful house and how we walked on through and, and checked out every single We're all over it, in the basement, in the kitchen, in the dining room, in the bedrooms, all the different spaces we could get into. We got into every single one of them and we checked it out. All we had fun. And one guy decided that side cool and he went in the next day and we went my same buddy of mine we went running on by the house and we saw him out there and we waved in him and he didn't wave back and so we found out later on at dinner he says uh, i i didn't even recognize it was you guys because i had gone on through and i went on the spot and i hit a thing and ended up in the basement he was up in the second floor he was checking out of the stairwell and hit a spot and straight down into the basement well he went through by himself at least we had sense to go through with somebody <laughs> And he straight on down. He said, I was just kind of dazed. I came on out. And I just, I was just dazed. He, just, he made a trip all the way on down. <laughs> that's, uh, that's not good. He got one of those burned out elevators. He got to the basement quickly. And, and, but you know, you go by and you're, you're careful. What's, will it hold you? You're thinking about all these kind of things, but you're still going on through. But you're, you're not accessing with boldness because you don't have the faith. I don't have the faith in, in that house. I haven't been in that house before. 
I don't have the faith in these boards. I haven't walked on these boards before. And there's good reason to suspect that I might have a problem. Apparently, there was good reason to suspect there was a problem. <laughs> oh, my. But see, God wants us to, through faith in Him, access with confidence. In other words, you don't come through the front door and you're gingerly, well, I'm not sure. No, you walk through the front door and you boldly go into the house. Just like you come into your house. You don't walk in there gingerly. You come in, you throw the keys in the spot that you go, and you head on over here, and you boldly open the refrigerator, and you boldly go and grab a, a, something to drink or something to eat, and you don't ask anybody's permission. You just boldly... Why? Because it's your house. You access it with confidence. You have boldness in your house. You don't necessarily want anyone else to have that kind of boldness, do you? You don't want people coming in off the street and just accessing your refrigerator? That's not a good thing to do. But this is what God wants us to do. He wants us to access with confidence the things that God has provided for us. And so Paul is saying, I have been given these things, the mystery of God, the things particular to this age, so that we can teach you about them and that you would, through faith in Him, access with confidence the things that are unique about the church age. So when we go through the church age, we are not to act like we are Old Testament saints because we are not Old Testament saints. We are not even saints of Jesus' day. We are saints of the church age, particularly saints of the latter reign, saints of the end times, saints that are more than likely going to see the rapture of the church. Those are the saints we are. And we need to operate that way, and we need to get the knowledge that we need so that we can access with confidence and be bold because faith comes by hearing of the Word, the knowledge of the Word. So we've got to get into what the Word of God says about our time. Where do we learn about that? Now, one of the things Brother Hagin used to teach us when we were down there at school, he says, if you look at my Bible, it had one of those gold-edged Bibles. And he says, if you look at my Bible, you'll see it's worn all over. But in particular, it's worn in the area of the epistles. The area of the epistles has more wear on it than the rest of my Bible. He said, that's because I spend more time there. And he, always, he would tell us, he said, study the whole word, but spend most of your time in the epistles because that is unique to our day. That's teaching us about who we are now. And I kind of resisted that teaching in the beginning when he first told it to me. I said, because I got wonderful things, learned wonderful things out of the Old Testament. Love going through the Gospels. Get wonderful things out of the Gospels. Well, he wasn't ever saying, you know, don't, don't glean things out of there. But it's really because of our knowledge of what Paul tells us in the mystery that helps us glean even more out of the Old Testament, glean even more out of the Gospels. And so understand the epistles. We should know the epistles like the back of our hand. If someone says to you Thessalonians, you should know immediately what Thessalonians is about. If someone says Ephesians, Galatians, Colossians, you should know immediately what they're about. That's how well you should know them. Get to know them. Learn them. You know, it's just like when you get a new, uh, a, a new uh, app appliance at home. You get a new TV. You get a new, uh, I don't know if anybody got one of those new Blu-ray things or something like that. But what do you do? You, you read about it and you find out, what will this thing do? How will it help my life? What will it accomplish? What will it do for me? Because, you know, you can have all kinds of wonderful power in that appliance until you utilize it. You're, you're not accessing the whole thing. You've got to take some time and read about that appliance. Read what the manual has to say about that particular thing. 
because there's some shortcuts that they provided for you in that thing. And but you, if you still use that appliance the way your other one was, how many of y'all know your refrigerator today is not the same one that your grandmother had? I mean, some of those ones are old enough that you had to go out and buy the ice, get the block of ice, and you put the ice in there, and that was it was an ice box, and it was exactly that. It was an ice box. It's a box that held a thing of ice, and that kept everything cool. <laughs> now we had it that you could plug it in. And you had to go out and get the ice. There used to be ice trucks going around the place and they would bring you your ice. <laughs> oh, wasn't that good stuff. Mm. And, but you know, it's, it's not the same thing. It now works, on, works differently. And then, you know, I thought it was so cool, refrigerator that plugs into the wall. We don't need ice anymore. And then they came up with refrigerators that had a freezer on one side and a refrigerator on the other. And then, I don't know when they came up with a light in the refrigerator. How much better is it to have a light in the refrigerator? And then they had the ice maker. That all you had, when you sleep at night, the refrigerator is making ice cubes for you. So when you came down in the morning, there were all kinds of ice cubes for you. And you didn't have to do it. You didn't have to crack anything open. It did it all for you. Just let it... Let it go and fill up the ice thing all by itself. Oh, was that not nice? And then you can come up to the door. Because after they did the icebreaker, then they came up with the in-the-door dispenser. And now you can get crushed ice or cubed ice just by taking your cup and pushing right on the door. And one side has water and one side has ice. Oh, is this not better than it was before? But if you just plug it in and don't take advantage of anything, you're missing out. You know, we don't live in the age where you order ice and put it in the ice. In fact, there's not even a place for it in your refrigerator anymore. It doesn't even have that in there. No, you have to, you have to plug it in the wall and hook up the water to it so that it can make the ice. That's what you've got to do. You've got to learn about all that stuff so that you take advantage of it, so that you learn what these things will do. Glory to God. We're in a church age. We're in the age where the Spirit of God comes upon us. And we have boldness through faith in Him. That's the things that He's done. To access with confidence the things that God has for us. Therefore, verse 13, I ask that you do not lose heart of my tribulations for you, which is your glory. No matter what goes on in our life, if we understand and approach it through faith, whatever things that we could go away, well, why did this happen? Well, I didn't understand. Why did you let this go on? If we don't approach it that way and say, Father God, I thank you. Glory to God. I'm gl- I am so glad that I'm in you, that I have access with confidence because no matter what happens in my life, no matter what happens around me that I do not understand, it don't matter. It's going to work out to God's glory. If we were alive in Jesus' day and we heard about the tower that fell on people, we wouldn't sit around and say, Oh, why did God allow that to happen? No, we would... Give glory to God. Father God, I thank you that if I need to know, I'll find out why that happened. <laughs> I'll know what's going on there. But I don't go up there with informed doubt questions. Why did you let that go on? Why is that happening there? Why did you let this happen to me? How come this went on here? No, we don't do that. Don't form doubt questions. Faith does not lose heart. Or form doubt questions. It continues on. How many times does the devil want to keep putting thoughts in your head? You wake up in the morning. Oh, why do you want to keep on going on? Why do you want to keep on pressing on with God? Why keep learning more about God? Oh, it's not doing any good. Oh, it's not helping you out any. 
Faith does not lose heart or form doubt questions. For this reason, verse 14, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For what reason? For all the things he went over. The first off, we are in the church age. We are in the church age. This is our time. This is our specific time. We are in the church age. We have boldness through faith and access with confidence the things, the promises that God has for us. That we are people of faith. We're not people of doubt. We don't sit around there and wonder, oh, why did Paul get put in prison? Why did God let this happen? No. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Now, we're not named after the Son. We're named after the Father. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. We're named after the Father. We take on His name. So just imagine this. Part of your name is the Father. God the Father is part of your name. I mean, think of some important names that are just in this country. Some names that if you were to say Rockefeller, does that bring an image to mind? If we say Trump, does that bring an image? And there's a lot of Kennedy. Would that bring an image? There, there are names that we have and some we associate with political things, some we associate with money, some we associate with authority and power. But we hear the name and we think certain things. We carry the name, the name of the Father. That's part of our name. We're the bride of Christ. Christ is His Son. Whose name does He have? <laughs> the fathers. <laughs> yep. You know, you get somebody, you get a Rockefeller, and uh, one of the sons marries somebody. What happens to the to the bride? She becomes a a Rockefeller. Oh, I am so and so Rockefeller. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> what can we do? Now, up until then, she was whoever. <laughs> Who are you? But now she can say. I am Mrs. and probably use his name. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of some of the Rockefeller names. I can't think of the, the John. Is there John Rockefeller? Nelson Rockefeller. I'm Miss. I'm Mrs. Nelson Rock. Yes, ma'am. I'm Mrs. John Rock. Yes, ma'am. What can we do for you? Because that name, we, we we don't care about this. We really don't care about who this individual is. What we care about is the name they're associated with. And that's what's bringing up some stuff. I mean, the Rockefellers. Anybody ever been in where they live? Beautiful estate. Beautiful. One, of the richest, one of the richest towns in New York. Terrytown, New York is where they, they live at. And they have a beautiful estate. I can tell you this because I've been there. I wasn't invited. <laughs> but I was there. Because, well, you know, the, their, their estate began two and a half miles from our college. So we would just have a two and a half mile run and we would be on their estate and we would get on. They had horse trails all through the Rockefeller estate. Hundreds of acres they owned. 
Lots of acres. Just, and some of the most beautiful. After running on those to come to any other place was so hard. Because you could go out there and two and a half miles you'd have to endure on the road. And then you're just thinking the whole time, oh, I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. And you get out there, waterfalls, creeks, shaded trees. You were completely isolated from the world. You would run on there. You would not hear a car. You would not see a person. Nothing. Cedared, not even paved, just, which is even better for running. But flat, they had flattened these trail, horse trails out, put cedars all over them so stuff didn't grow. But to your right, to your left, trees, huge trees, providing all kinds of shade. And then the, the creeks, that, I mean, stuff that would almost make you want to stop and just look neat to see all this. And they had all this area. And the one thing they warned us about when the coach started taking us up there and having us run on the Rockefeller Estate, he says, now we've got a couple of routes mapped out up here. Don't veer off. And he said that not because, you know, you're going to get yourself in trouble. He said, if you veer off, you will never know where you are. And he was right because there was one guy, uh, uh, Jerry, Jerry Lee, I think his name was. And he, um, he went running. And he was a good runner. He's a very good runner. And he went running one time by himself up there. And he missed a turn. And they calculated that later on. They figured he came back about 33 miles later. He went a little, little longer than he was supposed to go. But all, all Coach had to say is, we're going to go, and he would name the route, and we would know that's when the Rockefeller Estate. Oh, this is good. Two and a half miles out to get there, two and a half miles back once you got there. So that took out five miles of the run, but you could still run five, six, seven, eight miles on their estate. Oh, wow, it was so nice. And we would go out there all together, and we would just run and just oh had a beautiful time on the on the estate this was their estate this is their place it was something else but we carry not the name of the rockefellers not the name of trump we carry the name of the father god the father the one who is eternal the one who is before there was anything the one who will always be. The one who formed us before he even formed the earth. He, he, I'm going to make this person and this person and this person. That one. That God. The God who is in the past, the present, and the future. We carry his name. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. The ones that are still here and the ones that have gone on. We are all named after Him. Mm-hmm. We are named after the Father. So then He gets on to the second prayer. For this reason, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. Now the word there for strengthen is the word kratos, which is ruling power. And what did he just teach us about? That the manifold wisdom of God was for us to make known to the principalities and powers, God's plan, God's purpose, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory 
Now let me fill this part of your outline here first. Paul prays the first prayer, the prayer in Ephesians chapter 1, after teaching what God did for us in Christ in eternity past. That's why he taught us about what Christ did in eternity past before he taught us or, or, or gave to us the first prayer. The second prayer comes after teaching of God's foreknowledge of separating us as a special people to demonstrate his wisdom to Satan and his forces. So he first teaches about this. Before, before, what God did for us in Christ in eternity past. And now, he teaches us about God's foreknowledge of separating us as a special people to demonstrate his wisdom to Satan and his forces. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened, kratos, ruling power, with might through his spirit in the inner man. In the inner man... We are to be strengthened with ruling power. Mm-hmm. Ruling power is intended to be in our inner man. Amen. That is the purpose of God. Amen. And Paul is praying this for believers in Ephesus and pretty much all around the, uh, everyone that he had. That they would be strengthened. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened. Now, not just strengthened, but according to the riches of his glory. To be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. That we would be strengthened with might. How? Through His Spirit. His Spirit upon us is unique to what age? The church age. Because the Spirit didn't come on all people before. That we might through His Spirit in the inner man, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. That the Holy Spirit is to come in us and in our inner man, strengthen us with authority, ruling power. That's what He's supposed to do. He's going to be teaching us how we operate in this ruling power. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, if it says may, that means what? It might happen, it might not happen. Is Christ with us as saved people? It is, isn't it? He is. Well, Christ is in our heart at the new birth. Isn't He? When we are born again, Christ comes in our heart. Now, how many of y'all know that there's a difference between being in someone's home and being at home in someone's home? There's a difference. I can be in someone's home and can't wait till I can leave. <laughs> how many of you ever been to a place like that? You're in someone's home. Uh, much longer do we got to be here? I really don't like being here. This is not a fun place to be. I don't like this. I don't... It smells funny. I don't feel comfortable in these kind of chairs. Whatever it might be, we're just not comfortable. It's not, I'm in here, but I'm not comfortable. Well, the same way, the, the Spirit of God, Christ Himself, can be in us, but not comfortable. But He's in us. How many of you ever showed up at a place because someone you know, spouse or somebody, made a commitment to be somewhere for dinner, and you, you, we're going to be where? I 
don't want to go there. I don't like them. And so we go because someone committed us. Someone made a promise. How many times did the Holy Spirit say, I have to stay here? I'm not comfortable here. Christ is in us, but Christ may say, come on, we need to clean this up. I'm not comfortable like this. This is not the way I live. You ever see that in those, those uh, shows? You know, the people who got the messy houses and the stuff like that. How many of us have seen them and say, uh-uh. No, I'm not living there. And, uh, and Christ may come in and because when He comes into somebody's life, you know, it's not cleaned up. <laughs> it's, he comes in. It's not cleaned up. So what do you think He's doing? Look, we've got to clean this up some. This is a mess. And so He begins to point out, now we're going to clean up this area here first. You know, because if you can get one room clean, you're comfortable. At least you can stay there. Hide out in this spot. And, uh, and then just kind of venture into some of these other areas and start cleaning them up too. But at least you got a place that you're comfortable. At least you got some place that you can work from. But Christ is in our hearts at the new birth. But He dwells there when we learn to what? Rule and reign. Look at the verse. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted in, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Should have read the whole prayer for you beginning, but that He would grant you, verse 16 again, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened. What kind of strengthened? Uh, ruling, ruling power strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell. Not be in. Dwell. The word there is to be at home. To make your home. That when, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell. What is it that causes Him to be at home? Learning about rolling power. When I get to a place where I am comfortable with ruling power, Christ is at home. This is comfortable. Oh, I like this place here. Because this house knows how to take authority. This house knows how to go into a place and set the agenda. This house knows how to, when the demon, demon spirits show up, knows how to put them in their place. That's what this house needs to, needs to do. Oh, I'm comfortable with this one. But that doesn't mean that it's because you don't know how to do that that he gets out. He'll be in it. But how many of y'all want to have Christ not just be in, but to dwell? Dwell. Because he may dwell, may not. He may just be in. <laughs> that Christ may dwell in your hearts. If you want Christ to dwell in your hearts, learn how to use your authority. Get strengthened in that authority. How is He going to strengthen you? Through His Spirit. Through His Spirit. What's the Spirit unique to? Church age. Spirit is in every believer. So we need to get in the epistles and find out what Paul taught us about operating in the authority of the Holy Spirit of the name of Jesus. So when we go out in the world, Christ becomes not only in us, but is at home dwelling with us. Glory to God. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Through faith. 
that you, being rooted and grounded in love. Well, folks, faith works by Galatians 5 and 6. Faith works by love. 1 John 4.18 Perfect love casts out all fear. So these are things that we need to have. We need to have the love of God working in us so that faith can be at its full operation. Because he says that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. Through faith. And faith does not ask doubt questions. Faith does not lose its boldness, its authority. That's not what faith does. I put this in your outline too. Help, uh, ruling power is intended to be in our inner man, right? Helping us to navigate through life's pressures, problems, obstacles, and choices. Ruling power is intended to be in our inner man. Helping us to navigate through life's pressures, problems, obstacles, and choices. Ruling power. Faith in God. Ruling power. When we are faced with a choice, we don't feel pressured because we have authority. We don't, we don't succumb to problems because we have power and authority. We don't look at obstacles and say, oh, that's too much. Because we have, when you say that this mountain move, be cast into the sea, is that strength power or ruling power? Ruling power, because I'm not picking it up, I'm telling it. That's authority. That's authority. Obstacles and choices. How many times do we have choices? In our, well, I feel like I'm compelled to make this choice. Paul, or, or Saul, when he was uh, waiting for Samuel to get there, felt compelled to make the sacrifice. Why? Well, this wasn't working in him. It was his choice. He, didn't, he was not in a place of authority. No, we tell these, these forces, I'm not doing that. I'm not going that direction. I don't know. That's what the Word of God says. I'm hanging on to what the Word of God says. The Word of God says love. The Word of God says believe. The Word of God says have faith. The Word of God says have confidence. The Word of God says trust. I'm going to do it. I'm going to keep going that way. The Word of God says don't get bitter. Be, be a forgiving person. So I'm going to do that because that's what the Word of God says. But look at this choice you have over here. Nope. Not going to do that one. I have authority. So he goes on here. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in love. That means that love is all over. It's all over your foundation. Everything you do is based on the love of God. Everything you do. Everything you say out of your mouth. Based on what? Love of God. Everything I think with my head. What's it based on? Love of God. Love of God. If I, let me meditate on I know thoughts may come into your head that are not necessary. But I'm talking about meditating. Meditating. She's saying, I'm not going to sit there and, and concentrate and meditate on these kind of thoughts. They may pop into my head, but I get rid of them. Because it's my choice. I have authority. Thought, get out of here. I'm not going that way. I am rooted and grounded in love. And I know this is not part of it. May be able to comprehend. May. There's that word may again. That means you won't necessarily do this. But he's praying that you may. 
be able to comprehend with all the saints, not just a select few. Paul is not praying that, well, you know, there's a few of you that are going to excel at the top of the class and, you know, we just need to have a few of you get. No, he wants all, all, with all the saints, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints. In other words, we all need to get going. It's important that we all get there. If one or two excel and get better, that doesn't make those one or two that much better. They're better if we all, all, that's what we need to do. All, not just a couple of people. All, everyone. We are a much more formidable force to the enemy if we are all working this way. Not just a couple of people. All. That you may be able to comprehend with all the saints. What's comprehend mean? Understand. If you understand it, you can use it. How many have ever looked at a manual for some gadget and said, I cannot comprehend this? And, and will you? No, because you have decided ahead of time, I cannot do this. I cannot figure out this iPod. I cannot figure out this DVD player. I cannot figure out what to do with this Blu-ray player. I cannot figure out how to handle this fuel injection system. How many times we have stuff that's out there and we, if we have the attitude that says, I cannot figure this out. We won't. We won't. Now, computers is one of the biggest ones for people. There are more people I come into contact with who simply say, I cannot understand. I'm sure you've met people like that who have thought that. And then there are people out there that work with them all the time. And they don't say it, do they? They understand the computers. Now, they, don't, they didn't all start that way. You know, when computers came out, I think it was, um, uh, it was right around the time... The, the PCs came out, and I think it was right around the, the early 80s is when these, these things came out, and they really started getting to, to be big and stuff like that. And I was working at a church then, and they were thinking about putting a church on a computer. They were thinking about it. And so I was on staff there at that point, and I was, I was thinking, well, if I'm really going to help this church out, I need to understand computers. And so I went out and I bought one. I went over to Radio Shack. And I bought a Tandy computer. Now, it was a, the chip inside was an 8088. And it was top end. Top end stuff. I had 256K of RAM. 256K. That is one quarter of a megabyte. One quarter of a megabyte. Today... Memory is measured in gigabytes. That's a thousand megabytes. And a megabyte is a thousand kilobytes. I had 256K of RAM. Uh, the guy from Microsoft even said no one needs more than 256K of RAM. <laughs> now now it's, it's all the way on out there. And we had, our operating system was DOS. You all are used to nice windows coming on up. And menus and icons and all. No. When we turned these things on, it said letter C and it blinked. Little blinking cursor, letter C. That's it. That's how it came. It came up C prompt. That's all you had. C prompt. 
Yeah, and you had to know all the directory information because you had to put in there backslash this and backslash that. And I began to move around into this thing and I found out some shortcuts that you could do in the area of DOS. I still know the shortcuts. I haven't used them in a while. I sometimes just break out into a, a C prompt just to play with the, the stuff so I don't forget them completely. But 256K, I had two floppy drives. <laughs> Now, this is back when the floppy drives actually were floppy drives. Five and a quarter inch, and they were floppy. Mm-hmm. And I had two of them. Most computers only had one. But I got top end, two. And I had a 10 megabyte hard drive. 10 megabyte hard drive. I had a printer, a nine pin dot matrix printer. And I, I went all out. I got a CGA monitor, color, color monitor. This is back in 83, I think it was, 84, something like that. CGA monitor, color. Everybody else had a little amber or green. Not me. I had color. I had color. The printer, the computer, and the monitor set me back over $3,000. $3,000. And I got it simply so I could understand computers and help the church figure out what computer they were going to buy. And so I started messing with it and working with it and getting to it. And I've never, ever been through a computer class. I've not learned one, gone through one computer class, never read one book. Everything I know is self-taught. And I taught myself how to do it. I taught myself every single operating system. I taught myself how to get in there and to, to tinker with them. I can take them apart. I can replace drives. I can fix laptops. I can replace screens. I can put in new memory. And I learned it myself because I refused to say. I refused it. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm so good for that. This is just something I looked at and said, oh, I'm going to learn this. Because there are some things I have refused to say. And I, to this day, cannot understand. I do not know how to knit. (laughs) I do not know how to sew. Now, I don't go up to it and say, I can't learn to do that. I go up to say, I don't want to learn to do that. I have no desire to sit down and to learn all that different stuff. I just take it to someone who already knows and I let them do it. Just let the body function, you know, like it's supposed to and let other people take care of those things. But, you know, there is really, when we set our mind to it, there is nothing we cannot understand. There are some things we don't care to. Cars are something I just don't care to. I don't want to spend all the time to take them apart. They, 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 they don't fascinate me. If, if they're broken, take it to a place. Fix it. How much does it cost? Okay, I'll pay it. I don't, I don't want to do that. Other people, they, they, they're drawn into that and they want to learn all the things about it, in, ins and outs about it and all that sort of stuff. But uh, not, not me. I don't want to. See, there are some things we say, I don't really want to learn that. But the Word of God tells us right here that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints. So if we just look at the examples we just looked at here, where there is nothing really limiting us in that I can't, what is hindering us is I don't want to. (laughs) That's what stops us. I don't want to. I don't want to do that. I don't want to learn that. I don't want to press into that. There are some folks that I just want to turn the computer on and I want it to do stuff. 
I wanted to do stuff. I don't want to make it do anything else. I just wanted to to do things. Talk to it is good. Yeah, just uh, talk to the computer. The computer understands what you want to do, and it just does the thing. That's oh, that that looks so much better. And they fix themselves. Computer self-diagnose. Working. <laughs> that's that's so much better. But see, we can we can comprehend. He says that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints. We can comprehend this. The limiting factor is: Do I want to? Not that I can't. Just as in life. Every single, if I could learn computers, every single person could learn them. Every single one could. If you wanted to. Not everybody wanted to do it. Not everybody wanted to get in there and spend time and work with the thing. It, I just, it, they fascinated me. I wanted to do it. Other things fascinated you and you've spent time in it and you've got expertise on the thing. That you may be able to comprehend with all the saints. How many of you in English class you soared? You could comprehend English, right? Were there people in the class who could not? Who F D's they weren't doing so well in, in all that. We just listened to John Max or John not John Maxwell, John um Bevere, thank you. He was uh, talking about uh books and going through English class and he failed Many, he said a lot of the teachers just passed him to get him out. They didn't want him back. They just passed him and, and went on. And he went on to talk about all the books. He read 14 books at the time. He, well, he was just recently over Grace. He was talking about it. He said, I think of 14 books. And there, uh, uh, people come up to him and said, in this country, you are the number one author. And in this country, you are the number two author. Or stuff like that. And he says, I just want to go back to some of my old English teachers. And, and give them some of the books that we wrote. Some of the ones that said, you'll never learn to write. You'll never. <laughs> and just give them some of these things. You know, number one author in this country. And um, uh, how many millions of copies he sold in, the, in this country and all that sort of stuff. And just go back there and, and tell them that. Well, it looks like he was able to comprehend it. Some people, chemistry. Some people, math. They can comprehend these things. And they, they did well. Well, he is saying this, that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints. Let's go over this while all before we get into the next part. Let's read it all again. That He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened authority power with might through His Spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts because that's where we're being strengthened in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. So that's the assumed part. You're walking in such a way you are rooted and grounded in love. May be able to comprehend. So the first thing we have to do, besides being people of faith and the Spirit of God in us and Christ dwelling in us, He's comfortable, rooted and grounded in love. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. What is the width and length and depth and height. To know the love of Christ. Well, I, I saw one person's Note on this and some of the uh, Greek words that were in it. So I just wanted to read these things off to you. The first off, that with, in the Greek, it, the, it means storage space. That all the aspects of teaching in the Word don't get unbalanced. That you go through all of the Word of God. You don't just specialize in faith. You don't just specialize in hope. 
You don't just specialize in gifts of the Spirit, but all of the Word. That as far as the storage space is concerned of the Word of God, you have it all. You're bringing it all in. That you can comprehend the width. Remember the Word of God tells us that there are keys to the kingdom. Not key. There are keys. The other one, length. This is time orientation. That you may understand what is the width and length. Time orientation. What, is, what time are we in? The church age. The height, our attitude toward God. Depth, our attitude toward men. Now, someone who knows Greek more thoroughly than I do. That Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ. Now, hang on a minute. I thought we were already grounded in love. I thought we were already rooted and grounded in love. What do we need to know the love of Christ for? If we're already working in this, what do we need to know the love of Christ for? Because the love of Christ is Jesus Christ operating in the love of the Father towards men. To know the love of Christ, Christ came and spent time on this earth, became a man, and suffered from men. He lived life blameless and let men pass judgment on him. Boy, that got to be a tough thing to do. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. The, not, the word there for knowledge is the word to know by experience. When you get into this love, when you know the love of Christ, it will pass the, love, the knowledge you gain by experience. And there is Gnosko knowledge and there is Oida knowledge. Oida knowledge is knowledge that you know. It's revelation that's given to you by God. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled... With all the fullness of God. You want to be filled with all the fullness of God? Here's the progression He just gave it to you. And that's the progression we can go in. If we do that, we get to be filled with all the fullness of God. But to go in out there and say, Oh, I'm going to be filled with all the fullness of God. Well, you're grounded in love. you walk in faith. The Spirit um, being strengthening you on the in inside. Is Christ at home in your heart? And all these things? Well, no, no, no. Well, no, you're not going to be filled with all the fullness of God. You won't be able to handle it. <laughs> you cannot handle all that fullness. Not yet. But you can, because we can comprehend with all the saints. That's what he says that we can do. So, basically, it's this way. Mature in these areas. All areas of the Word in our Christian life. This isn't in your outline. You can write it down if you want to. So, mature in this. All areas of the Word in our Christian life. Understand the word for our time. Mature in all the areas of the word in our Christian life. Understand the word for our time, which is the church age. Mature in your love toward the Father and your love toward the saints. Basically, those are the four things. Breadth and width and length and height and all that sort of stuff. All areas of the word in our Christian life. Understand the word for our time your love toward the Father and your love toward the saints. Now to him who was able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Now to him who was able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. How many of us can even think of walking in what he just prayed? 
And yet God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than that. Above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works where? The power that works in us is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. To Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. It's all to bring glory to Him. Never let it bring glory to you. But be walking in maturity in all areas of the Word. Understand the Word for our time. Grow in your love toward the Father and in your love toward the saints. Oh, Father God, we thank You for this prayer that Paul prayed for the saints. And we can walk in all these things. You are able to do exceedingly above all that we ask or think. And this prayer is able to be done for us. We can comprehend with all the saints these things. We can do it. We can do it. It doesn't matter how poorly we think of ourselves. We can do it. We are able. We are well able. Because it is the same Spirit that is on the inside of us. And we yield to that same Spirit. That Spirit is the one who is strengthening our inner man. Glory to God. Oh, glory to God. We are growing in authority and power. That we rule in our life. We are not ruled by situations. We are not ruled by circumstances. We are not ruled by men's reports. We are not ruled by thoughts. We are not ruled by any of these things. We are ruled by Your Word. And we walk in that power and authority. And Your Word governs our every decision. Not as one who is beaten, but one who is the victor. One who reigns over all. Father, we thank You. We can comprehend with all the saints these things about You. And these things that are particular for our time frame that we're in. This church age. We thank You for